Right. Well, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're actually going to be in several different places this morning, but, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we will start together. We are still in this series we started last week asking simply the question, who are we? As a local church, what does that mean? Who are we? And we're going to look at some different aspects of, of what it means to be part of a local church. And then large, on a more larger scale, as more larger, really? On a larger scale, what it means to be a part of the overall body of Christ, which is what, of, of course, we looked at last week. So um, this morning, though, we're looking at being the temple of God. Now, this is an interesting thing because we don't really think of temples, right? We don't, we don't call this place a Baptist temple, right? It's, it's just a church, just a building that, that we gather in. Um, but, but there's some really interesting things about temples. Now, according to dictionary.com, this is how they describe temple, okay? Temple is an edifice or a place dedicated to the service or worship of a deity or deities, so God or gods, depending on, of course, the religion. So there are temples all over the world that are dedicated to the service and worship of a particular understanding of God. I want you to kind of keep this definition in mind as we go along this morning, because as we look at ourselves, both as the, the church gathered and then individually as temples of, of God, I think this applies as well. If we look at our, our bodies as being temples of God, we would then be a, a place, a body dedicated to the service and worship of Almighty God, set apart for that purpose, which, by the way, is the, uh, the definition of what it means to be holy. To be holy simply means to be set apart for uh, use by God. So if we are set apart then, our, our bodies have been set apart designated by God as a place of service and worship to him. Uh, but, but there are some interesting temples around the world, and I've put some pictures here uh, of so, some really just fascinating temples uh, around the world. The first picture we have here, this is of the Ang Angkor, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this, the Angkor Wat in Cambodia. This is the largest religious monument in the world, built in the early 11 hundreds. Now this temple was originally a, uh, began as a Hindu temple, and then as the years went on, it, it transitioned into a Buddhist temple. And so I'm just curious, as we go through here, anybody ever been to Cambodia and seen this? Okay, I, I thought that would be a long stretch. I was just curious if anybody's ever been there. Uh, secondly, I have a picture here of the great Buddha in Japan. Massive uh, monument to, of course, to, to the Buddha. In this one, you can actually go inside. You can go, you can go into the Buddha um, and, and see, because this sits right in front of uh, kind of a, another temple uh, for Buddhas. Has anybody been to Japan to see the great Buddha? Okay, good. I'm, 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 on one hand, I'm really glad that no one's been to these places to worship, so that, that helps me out a lot, okay? That you haven't, like, gone and, and you know, sought to, to meditate in front of the, the great Buddha or anything like that. Uh, next, here, here's, we're getting a little bit closer to home here, the, the great Mormon tabernacle in Salt Lake City. Anybody been there? Anybody been to the Mormon tabernacle? Okay, several. I, I, th I was feeling pretty good about this one. Um, man, just a beautiful structure, to say nothing of, of what actually goes on inside there and, and won't get into the specifics of the Mormon uh, belief system itself, but, but just this massive 
beautiful structure in, uh, in, in Salt Lake City. And then, of course, right in front of that, or I guess from where we're looking at it, right behind it, is the, is the Mormon Tabernacle, which you, you, they, they put on a great Christmas production every year. Fan, fantastic Christmas production there. Um, and then the next one there is a model of Herod's temple. Uh, this would have been the temple that was present in Jesus' day and age. In fact, this was the, uh, as the disciples are walking past it, Herod's temple was the structure that, that the disciples just marveled at and just doted on as they, as they walked past, and which Jesus said of, he said, something greater than the temple is here, referring, of course, to himself in that time when men would no longer have to enter into a temple to come to God, but they would enter God's presence through the person and the work of Christ Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, so, with all this in mind, then, and these, these pictures of uh, these great temples and, and that definition of what it means to be a temple, one who's set apart for the service and worship of God, the, the only God in, in, in our understanding, um, we then want to look this morning at what it, what it means to be the temple of God. And so if you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's stand together as we read verses 9 through 17 together. First Corinthians beginning, uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be re revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you once again for the opportunity to gather together, to open up your word, to see what it means to be your temple this morning. May we understand today, what it means to be your temple, both as your people gathered together and individually for each one of us in order to live as a temple, a place of service and worship to you. Open your word to us in these next few moments. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And all right, thank you. You can have a seat. The first thing that we see here this morning is that Christ is the foundation of the church. Christ is the foundation of the church. Now, foundations are very important. In fact, the foundation is the most important part of any structure because it doesn't matter what else you build on top of that. If the foundation isn't secure, you're going to run into major building problems. Um, for instance, a couple of years before Michelle and I graduated high school and uh, went to 
College at Wayland Baptist University in Plainview, uh, Wayland erected a brand new women's dorm. Spent a couple million dollars on this, I mean, just fancy dorm. Um, it was a, if you went to college at all, here, here's, here's how nice this was, okay? This was a girl's dorm that was built with suites, and two girls shared a suite. So each girl had their own bedroom. Now, that doesn't happen in college, okay? Each girl had their own bedroom and bathroom, correct? And own bedroom and bath. That really doesn't happen at college. I got lucky in the dorm that I was selected for, and there were four of us to a bathroom in the guy's side. But each girl had their own uh, bedroom, bathroom, and then two girls shared a living space. I mean, this is, this is posh, okay, college living. But what happened, by, by the time Michelle uh, moved in, so, so this structure had been up for uh, four, maybe five years, they realized that the building was slowly starting to sink. And over the course of about five years, the building had actually sunk about two to three inches. Now, that doesn't seem like a whole lot, unless, of course, you're dealing with solid walls and, and stuff like that. And as the, build, so as the building began to sink, little cracks started to, to pop up. And what they discovered is that they didn't shore up the foundation well enough. More particularly, they didn't shore up the ground underneath the foundation. And so that the, the, the cement pad that, it, that that building was on just slowly started to sink. If your foundation isn't secure, it's going to cause major problems in the structure of, of whatever you're building. It doesn't matter how expensive the materials are that you put on top of that foundation. If that foundation isn't solid, the building will eventually fail. And so what we see here is this. Christ is the foundation of the church. Nothing and no one else makes up the foundation. And if they do, if they try to usurp Christ's authority, his place as the foundation, the chief cornerstone in the building, things will eventually fail. Because the body of the church is not meant to be built on anything else. The, the structure of the church will not stand. Now, now please understand, I'm, I'm talking about the people of the church, not the building itself. If we, as the church gathered here at First Baptist Church, don't, don't make sure that we are standing firm on the foundation of Christ and, and our understanding of him as, as is expressed in Scripture, we're not going to survive. We're not going to last. No, no other foundation is secure. No person, no pastor, no, no long-time deacon, no tradition is strong enough to support the structure of God's people. Only Christ. And so we need to do foundation checks from time to time to make sure that we're still standing on the foundation, that we haven't, in fact, moved somewhere else and think that we're standing on solid rock, but in fact, we've moved ourselves over to sand. Now look here at what Paul says, starting in, well, let's just look at verse 9. It says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Again, he's referring to all of us. And, and every time in this passage when he uses the term you, that's a plural, okay? You. Now, and, now they say that in English we don't have a way to designate that, and, and I say absolutely we do because it's y'all, all right? So, so every time you see the word you here, just think y'all. Y'all are God's field, God's building. 
See, I could have fixed that real quick. I, I, could have made, I could have made that real clear. So he says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Now notice here, he doesn't say he is the foundation. There are a lot of people who try to make the argument that Paul is the founder of Christianity. He, he never claims to be the founder. He never claims to be the foundation. So what he's saying here to the people at the, this church at Corinth is, I, I expressed the gospel to you. I shared the gospel with you, and I made sure that that foundation was secure, that, you were, that your church was being built on this solid rock of Christ Jesus. He said, I laid that foundation of Christ Jesus. Someone else is building on it. Notice here the different roles that Paul had. He was there for a time. He said, I laid the foundation. Someone else now comes in and is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, for, for the church, he's saying, listen, you need to keep an eye on the teaching of your leaders to make sure they're building on that foundation. They're not trying to lay a new foundation altogether. What we see here is that Paul's role at this church at Corinth was different than those who came after him, but each of them built upon this foundation. He explains this uh, earlier in, in chapter 3 as well. He says, uh, he says this, says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So he says, listen, I came along and I planted some seeds. After I left, Apollos came along and he watered those seeds. But the whole time through, it's not really us that are doing the work. It's God that's giving the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So listen to me. No, no matter what happens, no matter the, the person who stands in this place is not nearly as important as the one that he proclaims. The one who stands in this place is not nearly as important as the one that he proclaims. So we need to constantly be doing foundation checks to make sure that, that our church is standing, that our church is built on this foundation of Christ Jesus. Now, secondly, Christians are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So just turn a page or two. Christians are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I said back in chapter 3, when, when Paul said you, what he really meant was y'all. It's the way it reads in the Greek. <laughs> here, though, it's individually. So, so here it really means you individually. He's kind of shifted uh, tone here, and he's not just talking to everyone as a whole. He's talking to us as individuals. And he says this, chapter 6, verses 19 and, th 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, now I like this. Um, I just read in the English Standard Version, but I, I started looking. I really like the way uh, that Eugene Peterson paraphrased this in the message. So I put this on the screen as well. And this is what he says there. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. 
So let people see God in and through your body. You, so, so we collectively are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God, God dwells within his church, but he also dwells within you personally. And, and I don't think there really has to be a tension here. So think about this. If, if you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we come together then, how, how present is God among his people? He's with us in a special way when we gather together. Remember what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, there I am among them. Does that mean that when you're praying alone in your closet at home that, that he's not there? No, absolutely not. But there's something special that happens when God's people gather together. His presence is among the gathering of his believers in a special way. So what this passage tells us then is that if you are a believer in Christ, if, you, if you've come to know him as Savior and Lord, you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So live like it. Did your mama ever ask you something like, uh, if, if Jesus was in the room, would you be doing what you were doing? That's like, that's like a spiritual mama guilt, guilt trip, right? Like, like, Jesus was looking over your shoulder, would you be saying that? But, but here's the thing. We don't just have Jesus looking over your shoulder. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And I say that not to guilt us, but just to, to realize the great responsibility, the great privilege that we have to have God living inside of us. And yeah, the responsibility that comes along with that. Because he, he goes on here and he says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Never, never take for granted the high price that God paid for you and for me. He gave the most precious thing he had in order to destroy the separation that sin had caused. And if we treat that flippantly, we disgrace Christ's work upon the cross. In fact, uh, Paul even goes on to say, he says, if we, if we treat that flippantly, it's, it's like we're trying to nail Jesus to the cross again. To make Jesus Lord means that we make him the boss. We allow him to call the shots in our lives. And our plan, our, our responsibility then is obedience to the things to which he's called us. To follow him wherever he leads, to do the things he's told us to do, to say the things that he's told us to say, to live the way he has called us to live. Begin to think of yourself as the dwelling place, a place set aside for service and worship to Almighty God. And number three, Christians are being built together as God's residence. Christians are being built together as God's residence. Flip with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you're in 1 Corinthians 6, it'll just be a few pages to your right. All right, now we're back to talking about y'all, okay? So we went from y'all to you. Now we're back to y'all. Could be back to all y'all, right? Because 
<laughs> so you have like you and then y'all and then we got all y'all. Okay, that, that's, that's official Texan. That's how that works. Look with me here, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, so literally, here's what he's saying. You are under construction, being built into this beautiful structure that God is planning for himself, for his people to make up his temple. Now, now think about that just for a minute, because I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves. We're not completed yet. So don't think, one of the beautiful temples that we saw, don't think completed structure, think under construction. And there's a difference between being under construction and being completed, right? Maybe the best way to describe this is to change this analogy a little bit from a building to a roadway. Because there's a difference between a road being under construction and a road being completed. About the time we graduated from college, Lubbock started working on the Marsha Sharp Freeway. That was in 2005 with a targeted completion date of 2014. And I think they almost got it. They, they, I think they, they finally finished it. Y'all, for 10 years, Lubbock was a mess. If, if you're going, I mean, you're going you're gonna to be detoured, and, and you're going to be driving over potholes, and I mean, these roads are just going to get worn out while it's under construction. Construction is messy sometimes, Yes? Even, even in a building, construction's messy. There's going to be dirt on the floor. It's going to be noisy. There's going to be stuff happening. You walk in, there's going to be exposed beams, maybe exposed wiring. You have to be kind of careful where you step so you don't get you know, electrocuted or fall through a, a hole uh, in the floor somewhere. Construction's messy. It can be really inconvenient. On a roadway, that's going to mean detours. It's going to mean that, that, that you're your route to where you're going is probably going to be diverted a little bit, and you're going to have to take a long way around. It's going to delay you, and it's going to cause maybe some frustration. Anybody watch, like, the, the house-flipping shows on TV? Anybody into those? We, man, we love them. It's, I couldn't do that. That would probably be the end of our marriage if, if we tried to do that. Um, but, uh, but, but it's fun to watch, right? So it's fun to watch other couples fight over stuff and, and then laugh at them. Um, but if you notice that, that more often than not, usually those, those construction projects are delayed because something happens that they weren't expecting. Like, uh, you know, they're working on something and, oh, hey, the entire plumbing has to be uh, redone. So there's an extra $10,000 that you weren't planning for. I hope that's not a problem with your budget. Uh, you know, it's, man, construction causes problems. So listen, we are under construction. We're not complete yet. So, so think about what that means in the body of Christ then. As we're being joined together, does that mean that there might be some friction sometimes? That there might be, it might get a little messy? <laughs> so maybe sometimes in your, in your journey being built together in this uh, temple of God that, that you're going to have to take some detours that you weren't expecting to take. That your growth as a believer might be hindered by some things 
along the way. There's going to be unexpected challenges that pop up. So understand that we are under construction, but keep in mind the end goal when everything is complete. If you're building a house, you don't let the hurdles get in the way of that completed project. Because all along, you're going to have this beautiful picture that an architect drew telling you what that's going to look like once it's finished. And that's what we have here. God says you are being built up. You're being joined together into this beautiful structure. Being built together as God's residence where one day he will dwell among them they will be his people and he will be their God as Revelation 21 tells us. A place where there's no more pain. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Well, former things have all passed away. That's what's coming. That's, this, that's the completed picture of your house that you would hang on the wall knowing that, that once all the headaches are, are over, that's, that's what's going to be there. That's the promise that we have in Scripture. So this picture in Ephesians 2.22 is that things are messy now, but one day it's going to be complete. And the church, this universal church, all believers from all times will be a completed structure and a dwelling place for God Almighty. As you well know, our earthly dwellings are so temporary. I'm reminded of that every day. Y'all, I've had, I've had back pain for the last week. I don't have back pain, okay? It, it didn't happen. I don't know what's going on. I got, I got back problems all of a sudden, right? It, that's a reminder that, that this body that I have is, is breaking down. And, I, and I'm not that old, but it's, it's, it's starting to remind me that, 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 that age is coming. Your earthly dwelling place, your body, your house, this structure is all temporary, but it's leading to a time when we won't need these anymore. This is the promise in Revelation chapter 21. It says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. So picture this, if, if you can. Believers from every tribe, tongue, nation that has ever existed. We will gather together in the presence of God where there's no need of a temple because it says God is, or its temple is the Lord God. It doesn't have a need for sun or moon for the glory of God gives it light. That's where we're headed. That's the completed picture on the wall. We've got some mess in the meantime. But all that mess will pale in comparison that day.
So my questions th- this morning as we wrap up is, for, first of all, will you be there? Have you accepted this free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins that God freely offers through his son's death on the cross? Are you being built up into this structure called God's people? If you haven't, I would love to visit with you about that this morning, to tell you what it means to trust in Christ's perfect death on the cross, to reconcile us to God, to, to tear away the separation that, that exists there. Hope you'll come and visit as we sing in just a moment. Tell you what, Billy, I'm going I'm to call an audible. If you'll come and play, just real quick, since, since, since Danny's out sick and, and I'm, I'm going to have to go up and play guitar if we sing, I just want you to play um, your, your choice. I just want us to reflect on these really quickly. If you, first of all, have you accepted this free gift of salvation that God so graciously offers to us? And if you haven't, as I said, please come. As, as Billy begins to play, come, and I'd love to pray with you and tell you how you can how you can come to know Christ. And if you are, if you, have, if you know you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you're following after him, then are you living your life as a temple, as a dwelling place of the Most High? Have you let that sink in, that he lives inside of you? Have you really surrendered and, and made him Lord or the boss of your life, saying, Lord, I'm yours. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Whatever you say, I will do. If you need to, to come, and, and as always, the altar is open. If, if you just want to come and visit and say, Kyle, pray, pray with me as, we, as I, I want to seek to follow the Lord and I want to seek to be his temple, his dwelling place, and live in obedience to him. So I'm going to ask Billy just to play for a couple of minutes, not long. Um, just a couple of minutes as, as, we, as we reflect on these questions and what it means to be temple of God. And then I will close this in prayer here in just a few. Father, as your people, we declare that we want to be temples of your Holy Spirit. I pray this for us as individuals, that as we go about our daily life, you will remind us that if we have come to that place where we've accepted you as Lord and Savior and entrusted in you for the forgiveness of sins, that, that we belong to you. You've paid for us. Help us to live in obedience to you. Help us to follow your calling on our lives each and every day. And I pray for this church collectively. That as Ephesians 2 tells us, we would be built up into a dwelling place for you. That you would be welcome always in our midst. That even sometimes when things might get a little messy and and they might get difficult and, and challenges come, that we would continue to follow after you each and every day, growing closer to you as individuals, being built closer together as believers together, and all drawing closer to you at the same time. 
Above all, don't let us lose sight of that final goal where we will join in with believers of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and we will make up the dwelling place of God in heaven. We will continually live in your presence. May, may we use that as the picture on the wall, reminding us that that's the completed project. Thank you for your great word, which always seems to, to hit us in a timely matter and always seems to tell us exactly what, what you want us to hear. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.